0: This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. Today, we will hear part two of Pastor CJ's message, Awaken. This is harvest time, and now is the time to bring light to the darkness. Part of our role as a believer is to make God known. Are we representing God well? Are we leading the charge and touching the hurting and the lost? If we don't lead, who will? We hope you enjoy this message. I want to talk to you today about Awaken Part 2. If you have your notes, I want to just go through a little review from last week. If you weren't here, last week we talked about who are you we talked about this real briefly I'm going to just touch real quickly on this who are you number one you first of all you are a child of God we talked about a lot of times people don't know who really they are until so the first thing you are you are a child of God number two you are a worshiper number three you are a conqueror I love to conquer if you don't have any battles or struggles in life what are you gonna to have to conquer what God does he puts struggles and battles in our life sometimes to see if you're gonna hold on to your faith and see if you're going to hold on the struggles that you go through. Another one is that you're supposed to love your neighbor. It's hard to love your neighbor sometimes if you don't love yourself. If you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor. Another one we talked about is that you are a harvester, that you are a harvester, that you are made to harvest, that we are made to harvest, that God created each and every one of us to glean and to harvest the field. If you have your notes there, a farmer's greatest time of the season it's harvest time. How I many you know what I'm talking about? That's it's the harvest time. That's the greatest time of the season when you see the crops that you prepared for, the ground that you sow, tore uh, tore up and plowed and disc and everything else. Now you're starting to see the fruit of your labor. And so today I want to talk to you and extend you on about being a harvest. My granddaughter, her name is Zion. Zion loves the princess stuff all about princess. She got, she got everything about princess. Matter of fact, my wife and I brought her all the books on Disney and about all the princess. She can tell you every story about all the princesses. And so I called her the other day and I said, Zion, will you tell me the stories about the different princesses that you love? And she said, oh, Papa, Papa, man, I love all the princesses. I said, well, Zion, tell me who you love the most. And she said, Papa, I love Sleeping Beauty. I said, you love Sleeping Beauty? She said, why do you love Sleeping Beauty? She said, because Papa, she's sleeping for a long period of time, and she's waiting for that someone special to come and give her a kiss to wake her up. And I said, well, Zion, you like that when somebody comes and gives her a kiss? And she said, Papa. And so she got all blushy. Papa, you know what I mean. She finally wakes up from the spell that she was under, and here the prince has to come and kiss her to wake her up from the spell. And then I said, well, who else do you like? She said, Papa, I love Cinderella. I said, why do you love Cinderella? She, because she became from, that had nothing. She was poor. She had nothing. She lost her father, and now she's living with her stepmom, and her stepmother wasn't treating her well. She was living in an attic. She was maybe more like a slave, and she was a servant to her mom and to her stepsisters and all these things. But then that day when she got a chance to go to the ball, it was so cool. She said, Papa, how she got so pretty, and she got in the gown. She said, I want to be like that. And she said, I want to be like that. Well, what she doesn't know, I can't say exactly because they're watching live stream, but what's going to happen November the 4th, she's going to have an opportunity to be like that. You can take it further. I don't want to say it because she's watching, all right? And she's going to have the opportunity to be like that if you take it further, and you can understand where she's going, right? Right? So she said, Papa, I like Cinderella because all of a sudden what happens is she goes and she turns into this beautiful prince, and she is really pretty. But then at midnight, she has to run, and she loses a slipper. And then she says, what's really cool is that the prince went looking for her. And she said, I love the glass slipper. And she started telling me the story. She said, I love the glass slipper. And the glass slipper, he had to go and find that one person that could only fit that slipper, and that was Cinderella. And she said when he found Cinderella, all of a sudden there was a match made, Papa, and all of a sudden they got married and they got together and she became beautiful again. And what she liked about the story is that someone always had to reach to someone. And so there was always that Sleeping Beauty. The prince had to reach to her. You know, the prince had to find Cinderella. But also, I want you to check this out. The whole point of that is all through those stories, every prince story, there's always someone that's reaching towards someone. The theme about this story I love is that you know the prince, his heart was hardened because he rejected someone who was in need of help. And because he rejected that one, they put a spell on him, and he was hardened. And the Bible says that God wants to take the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. But in order to do that, in this story, those two at that scene began to fall for each other. And as they began to fall for each other, the heart of stone became a heart of flesh, and he began transformed, and he became the princess that he was supposed to be. God wants us to be that person that reaches out to someone that maybe has a heart of stone, All through the story of Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Beauty and the Beast, and others, there was always someone reaching out or reaching towards someone in need. God has called us as a church to reach out to that one who's in need. You see, as believers in Christ, we must be that someone who makes a change for others. Have you ever noticed what it says in Romans In Romans chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, it gives us a depiction about who we are and what we're supposed to do. We are harvesters. Harvesters, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. God is calling each and every one of us to rise up and take our place. But he says for this, he said, for now then, they are called for the one that they they have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? You see, you and I have to be that one that reaches out to the lost. Maybe the prince that has hardened his heart and now turned into the beast. Maybe you know someone in your life that maybe has once at one time in their life has known Jesus, but if through circumstances and situations in their life have hardened their heart and to become cold and become callous and drawn away from God. But God is calling us to be that one that brings the good news to them. But then he goes on to say in verse 15, he says this, and how can anyone preach unless they are sent? That's you and I, that God says, that he's given us the authority and the power to place the enemy under our feet. That's why he says in Matthew 28, 19 to 20, go and make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. God is calling us, and then he says in Luke 9, verse 1, he says that he's given you the authority or the power to be able to do that which he's called you to do. So he's not sending you unequipped. He's sending you equipped to be able to do the work that he's calling you to do. You see, if God can use a donkey, and God can use a donkey and use the donkey to, to ward off evil and to ward off the, the, the going over that situation or crossing over that fence, if God can use a donkey, he definitely can use you and I. What God wants, he wants to make ourselves available to him. When you make yourself available to God, that's when God will begin to use you. You will never know how God can use you if you don't make yourself available for him to you you. So God said, listen, you surrender and allow me to use you. But then he goes on to say in verse 16, he says these words. He says, but but not all of the Israelites accepted the good news. Isaiah says, the Lord who has believed our message, consequently, faith cometh from hearing the message. And the message is through the word of God or about the word. So how do people understand or receive the message? The message is said or told or given through you and me. You and I are the mouthpiece for God. You always hear me say that we are His hands and His feet extended, that you and I are God's hands and His feet extended. How can they hear if they have not heard? How can they believe if they have not received? And so what we are responsible to is we're responsible to tell others about Jesus Christ. I tell you all the time that you and I are farmers. That we're farmers. You may not have a tractor in your house or at your house or in the shed, but you know what? We are all called the farmers. And let me prove that to you. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it talks about that, that we are farmers. He said that what, after all, is apostles? He said, what does Paul? Only servants. He said, all the apostles and Paul are only servants. What does a servant mean? A servant means doing the work of the Lord. Jesus said, I'm not calling you to do something that I myself would not do. That's why he says in Mark 10, verse 45, he said, I didn't come into the world to be served, but to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. So Jesus laid out the example to be a servant. So God says, listen, I'm leaving you example that you shall follow in my footsteps as being a servant. So Paul says, listen, who am I? I'm, I'm just the apostles. I'm just Paul as a servant. That's what you and I are. We're a servant to do the work of the Lord. But then he goes on to say, yes, he says this, I love this, through whom you came to believe. You see, it was through the servant Paul and the apostles that helped others in the church of Corinth there to believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't expect people to believe if they have not heard. You can't expect people to receive if it's not given. You and I must be the ones that are servant or the messenger for God. But he goes on to say this, watch this, and as the Lord has assigned to each of us a task, and our task is to do the work of the Lord. I don't know about you, but as a kid growing up, my mother, because I had six sisters and a brother, and my mother would break down all the chores and all the tasks that she had to do, and what she would do is she would have a magnet for each one of us on the, on the refrigerator. And I had mine, my brother had his, and my six sisters had this. And what she would do is each night, she would write on the list, and here's CJ, this is your task, Rick, this is your task, Angela, this is your task, and went on down through the list. And what I had to do is I had to walk out those tasks, what my mother put on the refrigerator every night, and so when I woke up the next morning, I had to do the task. And if I didn't do the task, guess what? I found out mom's helping hand. My mom had one of those mom's helping hand, literally, it looked like a hand, and it was kind of like a, 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 a fly water. and you know what she did? She would let me know. The blessed assurance, this is mine, CJ. If you don't do your task, and when I did the task, I got the job done, and my mom was happy. What God does, He puts a list before you, He puts a task before you. The task is number one, to follow God with all your heart, number two, to be His hands and His feet extended. That God wants you to be His hands and His feet extended, that He's called us to do the task. But then He goes on to say, what more, after what is all, Apostle Paul was his servants, do you believe in, the Lord has assigned each of us to attach. Now watch this. I planted the seed. Now there you are as a farmer. What is the seed? The seed is the word of God. He said, listen, I planted the seed, right? That's what God has given to us. The seed is the word. He said, I planted the seed. But then he goes on to say, he said, apostles watered it, But God has been the one making it grow. You see, listen... You, as a farmer, take the seed and put it in the ground. That is your responsibility. But after that, it's up to the soil, it's up to the rain, it's up to the sun, it's up to the nutrients, all these things. If it's black dirt or sandy dirt or all these different things, that's what the seed is for. You have to determine what kind of soil it is. But it's up to that soil and the rain and the sun to make it grow. So what God is calling you to do is be farmers to plant the seed. So let me ask you. What harvest or what field is open that needs to be planted? Maybe it's your neighbor. Maybe it's your coworker. It's a field that needs to be planted. Meet the word of God. Needs an opportunity for them to grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ. But how can they believe if they have not heard? How can they receive if you have not planted? And God has called our church to rise up and begin to plant seed. Begin to plant seed in time of need in people's life. But then he didn't stop there. Watch what he says in verse 7 and 8. I love what he says. He says, so neither is the one who plants, not the one who waters, anything. But only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters have a purpose. Now, you got that. That is our purpose. What do I always say? Without purpose, you're like a dog chasing your tail. You're like a dog just going aimlessly. You have no direction, no purpose in life. But we do have a purpose. That purpose is to plant seeds open your mouth, and God will fill it. God will give you the words to say. You don't have to take a 10-pound Bible and knock it over someone's head. You know what, God, people want to know? People want to know your testimony. You see, your testimony is all the tests that you went through. You wouldn't have a testimony if you didn't have tests, and people want to know, are you going to pass the test, or have you failed the test? And one of the ways that you can really uh, express Christ is by how you passed a test, and how God changed your life. People don't want to know how much you know. They want to know how much you care. And what's the best product? People will buy the product by what other people say. If you say that, man, I use Colgate, or I use Crest, and you promote that toothpaste, and you tell them, everybody, that's the best toothpaste. Man, that is awesome. Guess what people are going to do? They're prone to go out and buy it, because you tell them how successful and how good it is. You see, that's our responsibility. Ability. People are going to buy what you sell them, but you have to sell them with excitement. You have to sell them man with energy. And most of all, you have to sell the product of how God transformed and changed your life. You wouldn't have a testimony if you wouldn't have a test. And so I'm here to tell you today, people want to know how you pass the test. And people always say to me, CJ, you were a drug addict. You had six surgeries on your nose for cocaine. You have scars on your arms for shooting. How did you come out of that? Oh, let me tell you, I passed the test. It wasn't on my own strength. It wasn't on my own ability. It was what God did for me. And what God did for me, guess what? He is not a respecter of person. He can do it for you. You see, people want to know how much you care, not how much you know. They want to know the product that God changed you and transformed you and made you new that he can do it for me. Somebody say amen. amen. And so that's what God wants us to do. So he says, God made it grow. But then he goes on to that verse, verse 8. He says, you will receive your reward. Now watch this. The one who plants and the one who waters has a purpose. And they each be he rewards according to his own labor. God, in other words, rewards you for all what you do. God never sees anything undone or unturned that you do. I hear a lot of times people say, I never appreciate it. I don't feel appreciated. I do the little things, behind the scenes things that nobody seems to notice. But I'm here to tell you, God sees the behind the scenes things in your life. The little things as well as the big things. And not only does he seize them, but he's chalking up for you rewards. And when you get to heaven someday, he's going to place that crown of righteousness on you, and in that crown is going to be that ruby, going to be that diamond, going to be that pearl. From all the little things to the big things that you have done they're going to be your reward where thieves and moths can't break in and steal God said this is your reward that is what you've done while you accumulated all these things here on earth I was saving up for you in heaven I've prepared a place for you and now I'm going to place a crown of righteousness on your head I love this we can't expect others to know him if we don't share him don't just have this assumption that they're going to know. Our role as, a, as part of a believer is to make him known. Ask yourself, how did you get to know Jesus? Someone had to tell you. Whether it was your great-grandparents, whether it was your grandparents, whether it's your mom or your dad, your aunt or your uncle, someone had to tell you. And don't expect the person to the right or to the left of you that you work with that don't know Jesus, don't expect them to know Jesus if you don't tell them. You see, I want to say, I always say it, we have a responsibility. And you know what that responsibility is? Is to play it forward. That we're going to play it forward. What someone has done in my life, I'm going to play it forward with others. I'm going to play it forward. Some time ago, Cheryl and I were down in the cities in Lakeville. And I, there was this really nice car behind me, and we were in the line at McDonald's, and I kid you not, and, and someone prior to this had, had brought Cheryl and I our meal. So I thought to myself, I said, honey, let's pay for this guy behind us. And, you know, you would think, I looked in my rearview mirror, he was in a, a BMW, a man, a really nice black one, really sharp. Man, he was dressed up really nice. I could see he had a tie on. He looked like he was a businessman. And in my eyes, like, man, first thing I want to say is, what well, he don't need it. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, right? That's the first impression. But I said, honey, I said, we're going to take care of his meal. And he must have brought for his business because it wasn't just for him. i me just put it that way, right? And so when I got done paying for it, I said, ouch. And my, my wife said, mm-mm. I said, but God's going to reward, Right? But you know what that guy did? I played it forward, and that guy who probably never gets anything because of his statue and what he drives and how he looks, probably never gets anything from everybody, but he has to give to everybody. You know what he did? He was flashing his lights at us. He was beeping his horn, and he was waving like that. And you know what it did? Even though I said, ouch, when I paid for it, I drove away happy. I played it forward. You see, you have an opportunity to play it forward in someone's life. You see, listen, You are a mafia for Jesus, I mentioned last week. You have a mafia for Jesus. Put someone on your hit list, making a priority that I'm going to win one for God. I'm going to share him. I'm going to make him known to the people around me. I'm going to play it forward because my grandmother, my grandpa, my mom, my dad, my aunt, my aunt, uncle, my brother, my sister played it forward with me. And now it's my turn to play it forward with someone else. Come on, give the Lord praise. Amen. That's what God wants us to do. To play it forward. You know, we're talking about awaken. And when I looked at the word awaken, it means to do this. To awake means to awaken from their sleep, to enlighten, to address, and to bring a spark. That's what we're supposed to do. To wake them up from their sleep, to enlighten, to do these different things. What was the princess's role? The princess's role was always to awaken Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, the Beauty and the Beast. They were princesses. Listen, we are princesses to wake the sleeping beauties around us our friends, our neighbors, and our co workers. And I love what it says in Romans chapter 13, verse 11. It says these words He says, and do this, understanding the present time. Right now, we live in the past, present, and the future. So what this verse is saying, he's saying right now, he said, you live in the present. Right now, what you do with your present time is what's up to you. God has given you stewards of 24 hours. What are you going to do in these 24 hours? The past, the present. He says this, the hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. In other words, man, each day, each second, each moment, each year, each month, it's getting closer for Jesus' return. So what Romans is saying, we have a responsibility. And if you have your notes, you can read about the three areas of interest that that verse talks about. Number one is this, the present time the present time. What it's saying there in Romans 13, 11, it's talking about now, not waiting for the next day. If you have your notes, not tomorrow or the next day, but now. But now, God has put in an urgent request on us for the harvest. Now, now is the time. Now is the season. Now is the moment that you must seize it. Sometime ago, Cheryl and I, we took our kids to San Diego, and we went to the San Diego Zoo, and it was awesome. I don't know anybody ever been to the San Diego Zoo. Isn't that cool? The San Diego Zoo—it's amazing. They say it's probably the most famous zoo and the most uh, uh, best zoo around. But anyways, we went there, and we stayed on the coast there in San Diego, on the ocean there, and it was really cool, and did a lot of the sightseeing. But when we got there, we went to the ocean, and there was this pier. And looking out at the pier, it looked like there was a bunch of seals all through the, 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 this pier. I mean, just all in the water. You see these black dots all over in the water. And as we got closer to the shore, we realized that these weren't seals. They were men and women in wetsuits that looked like seals. But what they were doing, they were surfers. And they were all just clustered together, very much like we are now. They were all clustered together. And, they, man, they were having fun. They were talking. They were just joking around. And all of a sudden, it was crazy. It was like all of a sudden, in the twinkle of an eye, they took off. And you should see them. Man, they look like a bunch of ants just so they laying on their boards, paddling out into the ocean. And all of a sudden, man, you see they start popping up on their surfboards. And, man, before you know it, as they start popping up, right behind them came this huge wave. And I'll tell you, it was so fun. We watched I'm not kidding you. There probably was 100 surfers. It was amazing. And man, when they got in the shore, I was so flabbergasted by it, so in, in, ingrained in it. This man lost me. I was, thought this was the coolest thing. So I went to the surfers and I said, how do you guys know when it's time to surf? And they said, what we do is we watch the level or the rising of the sea. And we look out there, and they look out there, and they tell me that we look way out there, and if we see a riffle that's out of the ordinary, we know it's time. And they said, We have to seize the moment to be able to ride that in. So, when all of a sudden, they seized the moment. Cheryl and I, we went to Alaska. And I'll never forget when we went to Alaska, we went on a whaling excursion. It was the coolest thing. And we got to see the whales. They call it netting and how they, man, have this uh, situation where the, you know, the fish and the whales come up and I see they gobble up all the fish. Well, they, what they do is they have like eight whales. They make a circle around a group of fish. And what they do is then the bottom, of the, the ninth one, goes around the bottom, and it goes underneath all the whales. And what you and I don't hear is that whale that's underneath, and they got got these, these fish trapped in the netting, they call it. He blows as loud as he can in the water. And you don't see any of this. You don't see any of it until what happens is when that whale blows underwater, it pushes the fish up. And all of a sudden, as soon as that whale starts to blow, the fish come to the top. And guess what you, how you begin to find out where the netting's at or where the whales are going to eat? It's from the birds. The birds are all in the sky. You should see the birds, man, it's amazing. The birds are in the sky and they're just waiting. And the first thing you know, all of a sudden, here they are, thousands of birds. And as soon as that whale begins to blow, the birds, They dive right to where the whales are pushing those fish up. They seize the moment. God is calling us as a church to seize the moment, to take the moment. You see, now is a time to bring light to the darkness. You see, in Romans chapter 2, verse 17 through 19, it says these words. And now, if you call yourself a Jew, if you rely on the law and boast in God if you know his will and approve of what is superior because you are instructed by the law. Now watch this. If do we approve the law, do we approve the word of God? Do we really believe it or do we just let it go through one ear and out the other? You see, we can receive it or we can walk out it and say, ah, oh, I, I just don't accept it. That's for someone else. But it goes on to say, if you are convinced that that you are a guide, that you are a guide for the blind, a light for those who are in the dark. Are you convinced of that? You and I are a light or a guide to the blind, to the lost. I call my brother. My brother is so funny. He is really, he is a white boy. He, I mean, when I say he's a white boy, when you see him in his swimsuit, He looks like a glow stick. I kid you not. That dude is so white, he gets in the water, it lights up the water. He looks like an eel, man. I said, man, Rick, you look like a glow stick. You know what? All of us are a guide to the ones who are lost. Then he goes on, he says, God is calling our church to lead the charge in touching the hurting and the lost. That's what God wants us to do. You see, if we as a church don't lead, then can I ask you, who will? If we don't lead, who will? We always wait for someone else. And you know, I always found this to be true, that when I'm waiting for someone else to do it, I don't get the thrill of the victory like I have. I see them get the victory, but I'm second. I'm always second. And nobody remembers second place. They always remember first place. Don't wait till someone else does it and then you say oh I missed it. I didn't seize the moment. Be that surfer that swims out to the to the tide, to the to the wave. Seize the moment. That's what God is calling us to do. You see the second thing that is wake up. Is wake up. God wants us to wake up. You know one of the things I love as I've been in this area now for 2 years being your pastor. What I discovered in this area It's a lot of people move to this area because it's a smaller community and it's safe for them. But then a lot of also people move here to the smaller community not only because it's safe for them, but they move to a smaller community because they've been really hurt. So they come to a smaller community to hide. And what they do is they hide from neighbors, they hide from people, they hide from their friends, they hide from their family, and they try to excommunicate and what I found in these two years of meeting people is that a lot of times, that because they hide, they've been hurt, they've been callous, they've been bruised, they've been talked about, but in knowing these people, every one of these people, one way or another, have experienced God. They've experienced God, but because of struggles and hardships, persecution, rejection, lied about, all these things that they faced, they shut down. They shut down. They've lost their sensitivity to the things of God. And so therefore, what they did is they they shut down. They just become unaware. They become in their own little cocoon. They've come in their own little place that this is my place and no one else's place. I'm safe here. I'm going to go to work, do my responsibilities, but then I'm home. I believe that these communities around us, they love God. I believe that the people that are doing drugs and all the things that are happening in our communities, I believe that they love God. But because of struggles and hardships and hard times and all these things happen in their life, they probably just threw up their arms and said, what's the use? And they've given up. They've not only given up on their family and friends and others, but most of all, they've given up on God. And if God calls us to awaken, and awaken means to bring a spark. It only takes a spark to get a fire going. Maybe, just maybe, you're that spark that can get a fire going in someone's life. It's time that we wake up, church, and wake the sleeping giant around us. God has called you and me to join together and clean the fields for the glory of God. You see, drugs have become the sleeping pill for this area. When you are asleep too long, you lose a sense of what's going on around you. How many know I'm talking about? I remember my BC days, man. There's times I come out of a drunken stupor of being when I was high. I never forget. There's times I would be so high I didn't even know what day it was. But that's people every day. That's people every day. They don't have to be high. They don't have to be drunk. They don't have to do this. They don't have to do that. They just don't know what day it is because they're so insensitive. They lost touch with the world. They lost touch with people around them. And maybe you, God is calling us to probe somebody. Touch them. You see, We must be that church, the princes to wake the sleeping giant. The last one is, why now? Why now? The day of the Lord's return is nearer than ever before. I don't know about you. All you have to do is listen to the news. All you have to do is see the stuff around you. I remember when I first became a believer. I became a believer in the 70s. And that was the big time. Remember you, you watched TV it was called the television. If you watch the television you're going to hell, right? You can't go to bowling alleys, you can't do this, you can't do that. Can The Lord is coming. And I'll never forget that. Get right or get left. All the little clichés that they were going on. And I man, I really dove into that and I really thought, man, I better be ready. My bags better be packed. But you know what through the years, through the 80s, through the 90s, now into the 2000s I've lost some of that zeal that they had back in the 70s. But you know what God's doing? Judy, he's fanning the flame again in me. That we've lost that. Do you know that Jesus can come in the twinkling of an eye? And Jesus doesn't come. I want you to get this. Why doesn't he come now? Because Jesus is a jealous God. And because he's jealous, he doesn't want any to perish. He doesn't want any to be lost. And so therefore, he wants to come, but we're not doing our part to win the loss so he can come because he doesn't want anyone to be left behind. So now is the time. I love this. When the harvest is ripe, either we harvest it or we lose it. You seize the moment. We are living between, I love this, we are living between the already and the not yet. We are living between the already. God has already given us the promise, the yes and amen. 2 Corinthians, he says, I give you the yes and amens. He says, it's already promised, but we are not yet delivered. God has given us the promise, but we have not seen it yet delivered. Why? Because maybe we're not doing our part. We as a church must walk out the promise and as we do it, we will deliver. The souls will be delivered. Souls will be delivered. And I want to encourage you: let's awaken not only the people around us, but let's be us. Let's be a church. Amy Grant used to sing the song as I close. She used to sing a song. As a matter of fact, she's coming to the Target Center with Michael W. Smith, and I want to try to go see that. But she sang a song. How many remember this song? with just not a fat little baby. Just not a fat. What she was implying was. She was implying was. Let's just not just take it all in. The blessings of God. Well let's play it forward. Let's play it forward. Let's play it forward for God. So this morning. As we close. I'll get back to God will. God will next week. I want to challenge you. The challenge is. Find someone. Let's lead someone to Jesus. Will you stand with me this morning? As we stand this morning, I'm going to ask our prayer warriors to come out, our prayer partners, if you'd come and line up around here. Maybe today you came and you 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 have a prayer need. Maybe you have a prayer request. Maybe you have a situation in your life. And you say, Pastor, it's bigger than me. I can't handle it. We're all family here today. I always say a family that prays together, stays together. And maybe today you came into this place, you say, Pastor, I have a need in my life, and we're not here to embarrass you. I'm not even going to have you raise your hand. But if you have a prayer need today, you have a prayer request today, and you want somebody to stand with you, it's at the altars is where God transforms. It's at the altars where God changes. So I want to encourage you today, if you need a prayer, if you need prayer today, let one of these people pray with you. Amen. So let me pray with you right now. But if you need prayer, just slip out. Let them pray with you at the end of the service. Father, I thank you for this wonderful congregation. I pray in the name of Jesus that God, you open the windows of heaven to them. Lord, awaken us. Lord, we have a responsibility. We're called servants, and that gives us a purpose. That purpose is to glean the harvest. May we not just sit back and say, she'll do it or he'll do it, but Lord, let us do our part. Let us win one for Christ because Lord, you say that those who win souls will shine like the stars forevermore. Let us be a church that's concerned for the harvest, not just an inward church, but an outward church. Let it be known, Jesus. Let him be known amongst our community. Let him be known in our lives. Let him be known in all the areas around us because of what God you placed within us. So, Lord, I pray that we as a church will rise up and accept this challenge. Bless each individual, whether it be financial, physical, spiritual, emotional. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have a need today, if you need prayer requests, please step down. Let these people pray with you. Otherwise, God bless you today. See you tonight at Miracle Sunday. God bless you. If you need prayer today, just step forward today. Let them pray with you. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Would you consider a financial gift to help support this ministry? Giving is simple and safe. Just go to our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com, and click on the Give tab. Thank you for your generous gift.